Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert, Don Pizzette. Security specialist, Daniel Lowry. And Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I am joined amazingly by Don Pizzette. Don, how are you doing today? I am doing great. You know, I have a lot of stuff. I, I've been dealing with a, uh, a bit of a technology audit, so that's where I've been wrapped up this last week, which has been amazingly fun. So uh, so now I have to lower my expectations to be on Technado. Yeah, way more fun. <laughs> way more fun than this. And Daniel, how are you today? I am not unwell, thank you. That's, that's good. Yeah. All right, congratulations. Takes and a moment to process that one. Yeah, like, I always yeah, enjoy that I one. I think that's good, yeah. All right, and we are joined today by a special guest. We have Zach Rubenstein with us, who is a CEO at OneTouch.io. Zach, how are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks uh, for having me on the uh, podcast today. Yeah, we are excited to have you, and uh, we know it is late at night. You're all the way over in Israel, which it seems like, or do you do you have to start a security company if you're from Israel? Yeah, yeah. At, when you're born, you put, your parents actually sign on it. Actually, I, I was... I was actually, I, I came to live in Israel from England about 20 years ago. Um, and then one of my first jobs here was in Checkpoint. So that's kind of how I got into it. So a uh, bit of luck. But yeah, but basically you need to do some sort of startup. Yeah, you, you, can't, know, it's you can't do that in England. You've got to go. <laughs> it's kind of become yeah. the Silicon Valley of like cybersecurity. Oh, totally. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Uh, yeah. And actually with, with uh, you know, if you kind of follow what's going on in the news, Israel was very quick to roll out the vaccine here. In, in, um, so Israel's actually now getting a name for biopharmaceutical engineering and biomedical engineering. So there's a lot of good stuff that's going to be coming out to Israel in the next few years, aside from cyber security. All right. Now, well, as soon as they get mech suits, I'll move there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some as, as soon as they get what? The, the mech suits, you know, yeah. like giant robotic suits. Robot jocks. Yeah. I have it. Are they working on that? <laughs> are they working on that? I think they are. All right. Well, let's get to know you a little bit more, Zach, in our first segment today, which is Rapid Fire Questions. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Zach. In this segment, we are going to rapidly fire questions at you. We'll rotate around through each of the hosts here and ask you questions about yourself, your organization, and stuff. Uh, you'll have a five-minute timer on the side of your screen. You'll have approximately one minute for each question. If you take too long, Peter will buzz you. Like that, we'll move on to the next question. So uh, we will get started today with Peter. All right. Well, we alluded to the fact that OneTouch.io is a security company, but can you kind of give us the pitch? What 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 is the company all about? Um, so we're about discovering unknown unknown uses of sensitive data, personal sensitive data. So the, the real differentiator between us is that we'll use a combination of network analytics and other sensors in order to discover all the places where sensitive data is being stored, processed, and shared. Um, and that's really the key thing is that when it came to data privacy technology, uh, which really has redefined data security and the way the companies need to think about security, um, companies need to keep abreast of what's going on with sensitive personal data at any moment in time. So we do a continuous monitoring and scanning of the network to see how that data is being stored, processed, and shared. Uh, whether it's structured or unstructured data, data rest, data motion, but most importantly, 
uh, whether it's unknown or unknown unknowns. You know, I'm, I'm always curious about uh, automated systems that identify PII because it it seems like it'd be really difficult to find it. In, in the old days, you had social security numbers. So we knew a nine digit number that had a couple of hyphens, pretty easy to spot or a credit card number. We have a fixed length, usually starts with a four if it's Visa, like you got characteristics. But now with GDPR, PII is things like people's first and last name. So if somebody's name is Rose... How do you how do you spot that their name is being stored in a place it shouldn't be stored or, or not secure? Like how, how do you guys identify data? Actually, it's it's more complicated than that because even when you get to regular expressions, companies may um, may uh, store those regular expressions in different ways, like credit card number, or social security number, um, and what you're referring to is is sort of unstructured data. So you'll have a name. How do you know a name uh, is actually rose is, is actually a name or, or a flower? And what we do is we relate that to an initial source of data, like a customer list, and we look for all copies of the network. So that way we know we're accurate about that information. And that seems to be really complex stuff going on in there. Well above my pay grade. Uh, speaking <laughs> of above my pay grade, let's talk about after the breach. Do you have some system in place for detecting PII with that? And what are those? Well, you know, one of the one of a challenge of a breach is that your a specific example is say ransomware, where you've been locked out of your database, and you want to actually know what's going on uh, in that database, but you can't get into it because you've been locked out of it. So we'll keep a, a record or or, or um, of, of exactly what information is in any database or file system, and you know, obviously, the challenge is that there could be file systems or databases that you had no idea uh, existed. And suddenly you're locked out of something that you had no idea that was existed. Well, we'll keep uh, a record uh, or links, I should say, uh, in, 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 in uh, easy parlance as to what's there. So you'll know what's valuable and what isn't valuable. And, and you can respond to the breach in a, in a particular way. So you guys, you guys just finalized a partnership with IBM, which sounds like a, a pretty big deal. What, how does that partnership work? Uh, you know, what, what are, are you being sold by IBM now to their customers or, or how's that relationship go? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a dream come true for any startup. So IBM uh, Security Discover and Classify is actually one touch inventor. Uh, they're OEMing our product and, uh, you know, initially it's being sold to Discover and Classification Solution because they understand it's one of the key challenges that are, are facing data protection practitioners now and data privacy uh, practitioners. But as we move forward, we're going to be announcing all sorts of integrations. And the first one is breach response, uh, you know, being able to identify where the most sensitive data is in, in, in the case of, of a breach. Um, uh, so, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of good stuff coming up in terms of integrations with the different elements of IBM securities offerings. That's fantastic. So I'm curious, Zach, how, how you got into IT and IT security specifically. What was what was your path to, to this? So actually, I'm an organizational psychologist uh, by training. Um, and I my first job was with the uh, English police, uh, funny enough. Um, and then at one point, uh, I realized how everyone around me was kind of really depressed in their role. I thought, I've got to go into IT. Um, and I started my life off as a program at HSBC uh, for Hub Systems and then came to Israel, uh, got a few jobs and then luckily landed a job in, in uh, Checkpoint as a trainer through my organizational psychology skills. Um, and then from there, just built up my career in cybersecurity. So IT is less depressing than... <laughs> 
Yeah. Then, then being an organizational psychologist in the English police, apparently, yeah, it's, it's a lot more exciting. Yeah, that's it's a, it's sure. a low bar. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, while we have you here, we want to get your opinion on an article um, that, uh, that kind of talks about the things we've been talking about here. This is from securityintelligence.com. Uh, data security, how data activity monitoring protects against ransomware. And uh, this kind of sounds right up your alley because, uh, you know, you guys are, are in that space where you're working with, with data discovery and classification. So, uh, you know, why, why, is that, uh, why is that such a challenge for people, do you think? As you know, as organizations get bigger, their, their primary means of revenue is communicating with their customers. So they'll hold a lot of customer data for different reasons. And large organizations will genuinely have developers that may take a list of, of customer data and test applications against that. As an example, you may have a marketing department that will take a list of customer data because they want some sort of campaign. So what you see is proliferation of, of and copies of, of of personal data going all over the network, which even with the best controls in place, organizations lose track of. And so when you think about breach response, you've had a breach, you need to know, you need to identify uh, whose data has been breached and, and how you communicate with those customers. Well, if you have a more pinpointed idea of whose data has been breached, um, it means that when you, you go out, you need to notify them by regulation. Maybe you don't need to notify all 100 million of your customers, but only 10 million of your customers. So there's, there's savings to be made in terms of, of the costs of notification, uh, but also brand. Um, so, th so that's kind of the, the key use cases and things that are on people's minds that they just simply don't know what they don't know. And we're, we're constantly keeping a record without keeping the sensitive data itself. Um, and that's very, very important to our customers. So I'm, I'm curious, like, uh, you know, you, sometimes a breach is a, a legit straight up breach. Hackers get into the system, they compromise the database, but other times a breach is a lot more innocent, like someone left their laptop in a taxi cab. And so the, the laptop is now gone. It had customer data on it. I think that happened to the, um, uh, the VA a few years ago. Remember they, they had a laptop in the trunk of a car and the car got stolen. So it wasn't like a hacker broke in. It was just, they lost control of the laptop. So knowing what PII was on that laptop, if they knew like, oh, there, there's actually nothing special on there or the laptop was encrypted, they would know that they, they didn't actually have to do a notification because no data was lost. Or in this case, they knew there was a list of social security numbers on there. It was like 2,500 people's social security numbers. And so they had to do a notification out there. Is that, is that kind of what you're describing, Zach, is just that knowledge of what was on that device? So, so we don't do stupidity, uh, you know, as a, as a first thing. But actually, we don't focus on on the laptop because there's there's, there's companies out there that can keep a record and um, that will update, you know, central systems as, as to what's on the laptops. We're more focused on databases and file shares that are shared resources uh, that you'll see proliferation of copies. You know, one one thing that you mentioned is about when hackers get in. If you think about it at some level, what we do is we, we replicate the work of an ethical hacker within the company's own system. So we, we obviously have no access. We'll sell the company a product uh, called Inventor. They install it wholly within their environment. We've got no access. But what we're doing is we're really sniffing out everywhere in the network where there can be personal data. So for the first time ever, we're giving you know the tools of a hacker that would use in order to identify where there is any meaningful sensitive data and let customers know about it so that they can act on it before there's a breach and make sure that it's properly protected and also save money 
in terms of protection because they don't need to protect places that don't have sensitive data and they can do data minimization and make sure that all the sensitive data they're holding is 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 uh is is in one place and again i, I need to i must emphasize that this is a system that's placed wholly within the customer environment so once we sell them a solution we've got no access to anything that's going on Interesting. I, I'm, I'm curious, uh, you don't have to answer, but uh, uh, have you ever encountered a customer where your software scanned and you didn't find anything, like where everything was properly secured and locked off? Has that ever happened? Uh, you know, I'll, 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 take a, I'll take the opposite situation. We had a customer who had um, created, someone had created file paths using people's names and social security numbers. So there was no protection <laughs> whatsoever, but it was like, it was like, you know, I actually phoned up the, the DPO and I said, listen, we've got to have a conversation because our results are going to expose someone. And, and you know, when I told them, their face was like ashen. Like they couldn't believe the stupidity. So we see a lot of stupidity. We see uh, companies that have had tokenization projects where we're literally picking up bits of data from around the network. And in one case, we were able to identify 30,000 uh, records of sensitive data that wasn't properly tokenized just because of doing the work that a hacker would do. And that was after a $5 million tokenization project. Wow. Yeah, it's uh, $5 million well spent. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that is a mess. Yeah. We, we got the deal, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in, in, in other cases, we went in and we found in, in, a, in, a, in a company, the shareholdings in an Excel spreadsheet of the major executives of, of the company, um, so, so the fun is that we always actually find something, but there's always something there and, you know, that, that, that's kind of cool. Well, you know, the stupidity of, of people like me will help <laughs> make sure that you always have a job. And uh, you can always find he starts something. deleting these uh, file yeah. systems. Should I not have saved yeah. Yeah, all these files? Yeah. And name them people's names and social security yeah, numbers. That's my mistake. This was wrong? My mistake. <laughs> uh, so I, I know we, we touched on the IBM deal, uh, and, and that's, a, that's a big thing for you and kind of one of the, the, the big announcements uh, for you guys recently. Is, is that a big part of your business, these partnerships? Is it something you're looking to do more of? Yeah, it's, it's you know, as we recognize where the market was going last year, um, everyone was doubling down on, on these sort of tools for workflow. And we doubled down on, on making our discovery and classification more accurate at scale, easier to deploy, you know, really working on finding those unknown unknowns. And we recognized very early on that our route to market is going to be about integrating an ecosystem. So actually the very first one out of the gate was IBM, which is kind of like, you know, <laughs> the creme de la creme, right? It's the icing on the cake, you know, first time out we're, we're part of that ecosystem. But as we go forward, we look at other vendors, such as Fortinet or Paralta Networks, say, okay, well, everyone's got this gap in this type of discovery. Um, you know, what can we do for your business? Also, we work with SIs and, and, and other security companies. But we're very, very focused on, on working with partners and saying, okay, well, you've got this gap. It could be vulnerability management solutions such as Rapid7. Um, and, and we don't aim to replicate any of those security controls that other companies have, but more just really enhance the discovery and classification as part of other security companies' uh, ecosystems. Yeah, to uh, maybe use a, an analogy since, since you're originally from the UK, I mean, it's like winning the World Cup in your, in your first try. Uh, it's good luck trying to replicate that again. I guess, what, you got to get Microsoft next or... I don't know. Uh, yeah, be well, 
Anybody? Well, thank you for mentioning the World Cup, seeing as we didn't do so well in the last one. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, uh, I don't think we qualified, uh, but, so you're fine. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, you know, I think the one thing that we need to be cognizant of is, is sensitivity to our existing partners. Um, and, and it's something that, you know, I give a lot of thought to, you know, if we're working well with a partner, then, you know, how would they view a new relationship with another partner? Is that is that competitive? Is that a threat to them? You know, obviously, we've got to, you know, my primary job is to increase the value of, of, of shareholders. Uh, um, you know, th- that's my job. But I need to balance that with, you know, good business sense. And so part of our, our route to market is figuring out who the best partners are based on our existing ecosystem. For sure. All right. Well, if you want to find out more, uh, head over to OneTouch.io. It's the number one. Don't spell it out. Just OneTouch.io. Uh, I, w- I was over there earlier this week, and uh, you've got a great blog and and a lot of great information there. So uh, it seems like someone can really find out a lot of good information about the product and, and definitely the ways to reach out to you guys from there. Uh, but Zach, we want to thank you so much for taking the time with us today. It was an interesting conversation. And I mean, I love hearing the stories about uh, you know the things that you can find sometimes when you do those kind of scans. So appreciate you uh, sharing that all with us. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. I, uh, I appreciate you guys reaching out and uh, you know, have a great day. You too. And enjoy your holiday this week. I think you've got like some sort of Veterans Day or something. Yeah, Veterans uh, Day is, is today, which, the day that this... Which, uh, so if I which I understand American culture is just another excuse for sales and shopping. That's right. Yeah, you can buy a yeah. dishwasher at uh, up to 60% off, apparently. On yeah. <laughs> so, it's very exciting times. Uh, I want to thank you. Thank you again. And uh, stay tuned, everybody. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about the news from this week. And we're going to also have a special surprise for you coming up on TechNATO with Don Pizzette. Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Don Pizzette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. All right, welcome back to TechNATO with Don Pizzette. And I told you there was a big surprise, and he is right next to me. Well, he's in another room, but he's uh, he's over there. We have Ricky Doyle, <laughs> who is the co-founder of Practice Labs and now also the president of ACI Learning. Ricky, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks, Peter. Thanks for asking. I'm happy to be here in the studio. Yeah, we're happy to... Uh, have you allowed to travel again, it's I guess? A tough yeah. campaign, huh? Yeah, look, we've been hanging out in the UK. Yesterday was the first day we could get into the country, so there were queues of us waiting to get to some sunshine. So um, <laughs> we all arrived in Florida yesterday. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and there's a lot, a lot of pale people around Absolutely, town. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Normally it's just me, <laughs> but, but welcome. Hey, so, uh, you know, I've known you for a few years, and, mm-hmm. and we've worked with you for a while at Practice Labs. But for those that maybe aren't IT Pro TV members yet or hadn't heard of Practice Labs, can you give us kind of a, a quick overview? Sure. Look, if we go back to 1973, um, I was just a young boy with some <laughs> dreams. <laughs> no, look, I, I don't mind telling a little bit of the backstory because I think that gives some context to, to where Practice Labs came from. So I'm from a corporate IT background um, and I came up with this idea in 2006. You know, I've seen a lot of young engineers go away on, on different training courses, come back to the office really excited um, wanting to put those new skills into practice, but just couldn't find a, a way to do it. And that was literally the light bulb moment. Hey, I wonder if we built this 
online lab environment for people to develop those practical skills without having to build their own lab um, or certainly, yeah, and certainly de-risk the, the corporate infrastructure. And that's where it all started. And um, I make the joke, you know, kind of 2006 um, to 2012, certainly our sales and marketing strategy was build it and they will come. And we built it and no one came and no one came and no one came. <laughs> so in, in true techie fashion, we kind of went, I know what's missing. It's not sales and marketing. We just need to build a better product. Um, and then from 2012, we, we've kind of formed, you know, it, it all started to establish ourselves really in this um, business where we're supporting partners and, and now our you know, colleagues from, from IT Pro where there's a, um, a video component that's being created around the knowledge element for, for any of the you know, certifications or skill topics related to IT. And what we do is then take the learner into a, a live environment to actually go and develop those practical skills based on um, similar certifications or, or topics. But it's there to, to build confidence, you know, um, learn through repetition, but the most key factor for me is actually accessing kind of real live equipment as opposed to being simulation based, which means you can break it. And and we kind of go, hey, you know, use it to to experiment. I think we mo most of us learn better when we're trying things. And if it breaks, you always kind of, um, especially in IT, you know, you, you spent a couple of hours doing something, you break it, you learn not to do it a second time. So that's really what we do. And it works. Yeah, really nicely and kind of as part of that learning journey, you know, get the theory part done, take that theory, put it into practice, and then um, what we'll be bringing out uh, later this year, um, early part of next year, is kind of the, that opportunity to um, validate those skills in a real-life working scenario, so more of a performance-based testing solution. Sure. And I know the, the big news here recently is now Practice Labs has merged with ACI Learning. ACI Learning is the is the company that uh, is part of IT Pro TV as well. So now there's this partnership that we've kind of always just been partners, and now yeah. we are we are family. Family. So just, welcome, yeah. welcome to the family. Well, thank you. And and this is just a tough mindset for everyone to get around. You know, it definitely is all about us and not just these individual components. So, um. Tim Broom, which I'm sure most of the of the the, the followers um, kind of know and, and love, you know, Tim and I have been talking about doing this for for many years, and for whatever reason, just never got it um, arranged. But I think under the ACI umbrella, it really starts to bring the the learning components together. Um, you know, I think we're one of the the very few um, organisations out there that are looking at the learner journey um, very holistically in, in making sure that. The right learning components are there, supported by the the hands-on piece, and, and then taking you through to um, the the assessment part. So, look, excited to be part of the the, the new umbrella company. We um, it's a month in, a lot of new colleagues, a lot of new meetings to go to, but exciting times. I think you know certainly what the the future gives us as well in terms of product development, access to talent. I mean, um, for a long time we've we've longed to work with the the edutainers. Now they, they bring the um, those expertise to to building some really cool products going forward. I know I'm really excited about it. There's a, there's a lot of things that we could do together that as separate companies there were you know logistical challenges around, especially when you deal with like who's paying for what and all the back end development costs and stuff. And now as one organization, it's kind of the sky's the limits. And I. I can't let the cat out of the bag on some of the things that we're working on right now, but we have some plans to really do some amazing things together. Uh, 
all of that will be uh, available to you, the learners, in the near future. But in the short term, even if we don't release anything new and exciting, uh, we do have a heck of a lot more employees that sound a lot smarter because of their. Uh, what are you trying accents. to say, Don? <laughs> but they don't they sound smarter to, to other Europeans and stuff. Yeah. I think they just sound smarter to us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's a good point. But that's we, only that's the only reason we joined uh, the family was like we needed a few British-speaking people to kind of join and you right. know add the accents. Do we sound smart? To you guys over there? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, we, we, we well, we know the, that the U.S. is the center of the universe. I mean, so everyone's got to be smart oh, from the I didn't U.S. You guys knew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I want to ask, going back, yeah. you, you said, you know, you encourage people to break things. Yeah. So is there some guy's job who's just to stand there with a fire extinguisher in the server room? <laughs> just, well, no, we no, got one but, again. Yeah. But, but what we have had is a couple of people turn up to the data center with the sledgehammer. They said, you mean break it this way. <laughs> uh, that's a little bit difficult to recover from, but, um, you know, we don't have to put any fires out. Well, Ricky, we're really excited uh, not just to have you here uh, in in the studio with us today, but uh, to have you as as part of the family and to, like I said, solidify that partnership and take it to the next level. And I'm excited. I don't even know these um, big surprises that Don is alluding to. So, no, me uh, neither. I think, he's, I think he's just making it up. It's all. No, but they also, there's some really cool things. I mean, even Daniel and I spoke this morning about some of the. The, the things that we can do to make the instruction Damn. side easier. So I was going to say, Don looked at me like, you were yeah. speaking to him? <laughs> you have to sign an NDA? Why yeah. did you tell me? <laughs> All right, well, Ricky, we are, uh, we've got the news to get to, but uh, again, we, we just wanted to make sure we had you on while while you were here. So, Anytime, uh, I appreciate you. Proof of life. Proof of life. you hold up the newspaper and the clock, please? Yes. Well, he's got yesterday's newspaper from London, yeah. I think. Perfect. So, yeah, I that doesn't work. <laughs> All right, Ricky, thanks, thanks so very much. much. Yep, we're going to take a quick break, come back, and do the news right after this on Technado with Don Pizzette. So you've tried online IT training, but it's boring, out of date, and pricey. Well, IT Pro TV is always engaging, always fresh, and plans start at just $29 a month. It's online IT training that doesn't suck. Start today at ITPro.TV. All right, welcome back to Technado with Don Pizzette. Thank you so much to Ricky for joining us. Always nice to have him, uh, well, in the studio. It's first time on Technado, surprisingly. Yeah, weird. Yeah. I could have swore we had him before, but it must have been something else. Yeah. Well, if we did, he didn't remember either. So We were probably all drunk. <laughs> it's not yeah, a very, yeah. not <laughs> a very memorable. It was 9 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, we've got a lot of news to get to, and our first article is from ZDNet.com. Microsoft's Edge browser for Linux is now available for all users. Well, and, it's about time. Well, I, my question for you, Don, is great. But I know people on Windows who are trying to get it off of their machine. <laughs> what What is the value proposition for someone on Linux to to get Edge? All right, so there, there is actually a value proposition. You know, Microsoft they did switch to using the Chromium core for their their Edge browser. So a lot of people say, why run Edge versus Chrome? I can just run Chrome. Google made it anyway. Uh, or you know, most Linux distros come with Firefox, so why not just run that one? Well, the value prop for Edge is that Edge is actually pretty fast, uh, but so is Chrome for the most part, although it's kind of become a bit bloated over the years. But Edge is a lot more resource-friendly than Chrome is. So it, it still consumes a decent bit of RAM, but it's not as memory-hungry as Chrome is. But also, it does the full synchronization. So if you're somebody like me that has a 
Windows machine and a Mac and a Linux box and mobile devices as well that I can run the Edge browser on all of them and synchronize between them. There's very few other browsers that really give you that. You know, if you run Chrome, it does pretty much cover the the various ones. But like if you run Safari, there's no Safari for Linux and the Safari on Windows is, I don't think, supported anymore. You know, so it's hard to find a good browser that gives you good synchronization across all the devices. But also, if you use Microsoft 365 in your company, the Microsoft apps integrate better with the Edge browser. So if it's your day-to-day productivity suite that you use, well, Edge is going to, ooh, I almost said give you an Edge, which would be stupid marketing <laughs> speak, so i got to walk that one back. Uh, but uh, you know, it does make it there work more gooder. Uh, that's the other marketing language. Uh, so that that's kind of the value prop. Now, there are diehard Linux people who would never want to put a Microsoft product on their desktop. Yeah. But I wanted to highlight it here because I think it, it really does show that Microsoft is making a big push into that space. And so Linux is you know, getting a lot more adoption, a lot more recognition from corporate entities. I find it interesting. That I, I, I mean, I get the idea that the diehard Linux are like, eh, you know, Microsoft, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I used to be that person myself, but then I... I started adopting the idea that Linux is this open environment. It's meant for me to customize and make it the way I want. And I like having options. I think the problem we used to have with Microsoft is they always force the option on you. This is what you will have. And that kind of turned a lot of people off, especially if you were like a Linux-minded person. But now they're starting to, like you say, like adopt that type of mentality and go with those types of philosophies. And now I just have another tool in my toolkit that I can reach in and use whenever I need it. And that's how I start to think about things when it comes to my Linux operating system. I want tools that I can reach in and use when I need them. I just don't want to be forced to be made to do those things. Yeah, I know I I used to use separate user profiles in Chrome. So I had a work profile and a personal profile, but I started noticing bleed over between the profiles. Like Mm. there were some things that it did not isolate right. And so now I've started using Edge for work and Chrome for personal. And so two separate browsers. And I I use a theme to make my work one red and Uh, my personal one blue. And so it's real obvious at a glance whether I'm in my work environment or personal. So that's smart. uh, You know, it's nice to have options. It is. Going back to your point, Daniel, I feel feel like we talked a little bit about something similar. I think it was last week uh, when you weren't here, Don, about um, Windows. Defender. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that, that's yeah. now having available as well because yeah. we were having that same conversation. Why would I want this on my, you know, on my Android device or, or things like that? And, and I guess kind of the same logic. Yeah, works, central right? management, synchronization right. of settings. Yep, and yeah. being able to cross-platform, I can use it on those devices. So if I like that, it works for me. Mm-hmm. Why would I not want to use it? Uh, at least I want to have the option to use it. That's that's where my mind goes. Yeah. Well, now you do, and it uh, sounds like it's available on many different uh, varieties of Linux distros. So, yep. and uh, it's actually been available for about four months in beta. Now yeah. it's general release, so now it's the stable oh, version. Okay. This out. Yep. All right. Well, if you try it out, let us know how it works for you and and what you think compared to uh, it on Windows. All right, our next article comes to us over at Bloomberg.com. Uh, AMD rallies after landing Meta in latest server <laughs> chip win. And if you'll recall from last week, Meta uh, is the new name for the Facebook parent company. And so I, it, at first I kind of had to register this. I was like, what what chips do they have? But they, they have a lot of those those portal devices and things like that. Sure. So, uh, and, and maybe more things now with their whole Metaverse coming out. So this is a big deal. 
Yeah, so uh, this is not going to be in their portal devices. So that we're, where you're going to see this is in their data centers. Facebook mm. has a ton of servers. It takes a lot to be able to support the 100, or it's I think it's billion plus users of Facebook now. Uh, Meta as a just a, a company has tons and tons of users. Over 25% of the Earth's population uses their platform. It takes a lot of servers to run that. So for AMD, this is a really big step up, right? For decades, Intel has dominated the market. And the last five years have been really bad for Intel. They, they ran into numerous stumbling blocks with their five nanometer fabs. So they just have not been able to make the latest and greatest processors. And that allowed AMD, TSMC, a couple of other companies to really step in and move past them. And it got to the point where partners like Apple designed their own chip and moved away from Intel. Very embarrassing. So just, I mean, a, a horrible a horrible five years, but really just this last 12 months has really been bad for Intel. And this shows some of the things that are going on. AMD's been doing some amazing stuff. I am not a fan of AMD processors. I haven't been for a long time, and there's there's various reasons for that. But I'll I'll tell you that they they've really stepped up, and and they're not just competing; like they are exceeding what Intel can do. Uh, there was another announcement they just did about some of their their, their roadmap that next year in 2022 they're going to release a 96 core CPU uh, with their five nanometer fabs. So that was you know Intel couldn't do it. AMD can and nature abhors a vacuum, Don. <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody's got to step in. And then in 2023, 128 core CPU. And this Ooh. is not like just a proof of concept. This is generally available. You can purchase it. Expensive as all hell, when, right? When did AMD become Oprah? You get a core and you get a core. Yeah, yeah. everybody cores, gets you get a see. core. You know, when they acquired ATI, the graphics company, yeah. right, uh, where they were able to do CPU and graphics, that was a smart move on their part. And so they really advanced. Intel has been focusing on their. Uh, XE graphics, which I think is pronounced she, uh, but that graphics platform, and it just it takes them a while to do it. AMD is already there, so is it's pretty the, impressive. Is the chip shortage going to cause them any consternation when it comes to doing well, this? That's another embarrassing thing. Like Intel has chip fabs right here in the United States, so none they of this should be suffering from this. They should be cranking it out, but they invested a ton in these fabs that are getting low yields. They're not able to manufacture enough processors, so their own poor quality has kind of shot themselves in the foot of it time where they should be making money hand over foot or hand over fist hand over foot hand yeah. over, that's how that goes hand, hand over, over fist. fist yeah hand over mouth yeah and uh <laughs> foot, foot and mouth disease with the yeah. horse's mouth yeah. and their foot no, and no, no. uh <laughs> whatever i'm trying to say here uh but they did bring in a new ceo which was actually a, a guy who had been with intel for a long time uh went to vmware came back and so they're, they're turning around right so they're, they're really starting to make gains mm. we'll see but it's nice to see some, some competition in the cpu world so do you think, Don, it's time for you to take another look at AMD and maybe give them a second chance? Not for my workload. Maybe like if I was a hardcore video gamer, I think AMD's got the, the leg up right now. But with, with my workload with virtual machines and things, Intel performs better. Um, I'd be more li likely to switch to an ARM processor. So it's funny. I was reading that um, people are complaining about the M1 chips having like horrible memory leaks. Yeah, yeah. And they're suffering pretty pretty badly because of that. So it's like, man... These chip companies have really got to do a better job of they quality do. control and just getting out the product that they are telling people they're selling. You know, the M1 is fast. It's super fast. But you could tell from day one when Apple only released an 8-gig model. And people said, wait, only 8 gigs of RAM? I, I have 32. I have 64. Yeah. And they said, no, no, no. It's way more efficient. Yeah. You need half as much memory as you used to. Why? Yeah. And Especially they, when I can have more. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so with claims like that, you knew something was up, and now I think that's starting to bite them, and, yeah. and we'll see how they do with it. And the origin of hand over fist is from 1700s uh, in nautical world of, of how people would climb ropes uh, hand over but a fist, fist. is a hand. And then yeah. the, well, it was originally hand over hand, and then it evolved to hand over fist. Hand over hand would make sense. That makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, because uh, when I hear hand over fist, I'm like, yeah, right. Today I learned. And hand over foot is a North American game related to canasta. Well, there you go. Well, that's obviously what I was talking that's about. Apparently it's apparently not my about. fault. Yeah. You guys yeah. weren't cultured not. enough to know that. Okay. <laughs> uh, my grandmother played hand over foot more times than I can count. All right. Well, there you go. We nailed that one. Uh, <laughs> see, you're, you're learning about technology and, and idioms. That's why you listen to Technado. <laughs> that's why you stopped today. That's another option as well. All right. Uh, let's take a look at our next article from TheVerge.com. Someone stole an entire shipment of EVGA RTX graphics cards. A whole truckload of 30 series cards was affected. And Maybe this is, is why we so have the chip shortage. The, uh, the first comment in this article was the Toretto fam from Fast and Furious. Oh, you think that's like, them? Yeah, it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, you know, the, uh, the RTX gra- uh, graphics cards in general are hard to get right now because the, the various cryptocurrency miners are scooping these things up, and so they're, they're hard to get. Scalpers have learned that if they buy up all the cards, they can turn around and mark them up, just like they do with Xbox and PlayStation consoles. We're seeing that with graphics cards. Uh, in my computer at home, I have a NVIDIA RTX 2060, so a 20 series card. And do you know why I don't have a 30 series card? Because you can't get one. You can't get one. And if you do, they're overpriced like crazy. So I'm, I'm not going to get price gouged on a yeah. graphics card. I'll be fine. Uh, so or you could just steal a whole truckload of them. Or you could do that, right? Which is what happened this week is an entire truckload of EVGA RTX graphics cards, including some 3090s, which are the really expensive Mm. ones, stolen. I think scalpers in this case learned that, hey, we can get even more money if we just don't pay for them in the first place. (laughs) And so they stole an entire truckload. Uh, Now, I wondered about what would happen. So I I heard about this from a different site uh, when it was originally reported. uh, And I thought, well, what, what do they do if somebody steals like... Uh, at the at the pharmacy, they don't care if you steal gift cards off the shelf because they haven't been activated. Mm-hmm. Or if they were activated, they can just right. cancel the numbers and that's that, right? But if you steal a graphics card, could somebody, like, could they remote kill it? And, and I was wondering, do their drivers check in? Do they have remote access? Turns out they don't. Um, so EVGA has just said, like, hey, if you use one of these cards, we won't honor the warranty and we won't honor upgrades. They do, like, where you get free Because they can tell if you're using that card based on its, its serial. They, or They know the serial numbers that were stolen, but the cards don't phone home with their serial numbers. So it's not like they can track them. These are actually gone. And I think, you know, because of the price these are selling for, they need to start having armed guards with their trucks. Yeah, it would seem so. Yeah. yeah, cause, I mean, yeah. And th- this wasn't in China or whatever. No, this, no, was this was going from, it was like San Francisco yeah. to L.A. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And these are s- small enough items that a truckload is a ton. Someone, so was, someone's just going to pull up a big, giant Bitcoin mining rig. <laughs> they could. Yeah. And these would be the best cards to do oh, it. That'd be the way to go. Yeah. Imagine if they used every card in the truck. <laughs> what if they just built it out in the truck? In the truck. Yeah, yeah in the truck. That's right. Their data center. It's on wheels. Go around stealing electricity. That's right. You're just <laughs> plugging in orange cords coming out of this. Then if I learned anything from Microsoft, you sink the truck into the ocean. That keeps it cool as well. That does actually work. And, I mean, uh, it would have to be watertight. 
but oh, you can make that a cock, a little bit of cock. Yeah, you're good the to go. Just, yeah, just take care of that. Get some flexi seal or whatever it is. Thank you for explaining <laughs> the first comment. Now that I see it, I, w- I would not have gotten that. Oh, so. yeah. I'm, I'm glad to be able to. I got a little pop culture going in me. A little. What was your comment again? About the Toretto family. Oh yeah. yeah, that's what they did in the first Fast and the Furious that they stole electronics from trucks. I saw the first one a long time ago. Yeah, I didn't see any of the so others, and then I saw Hobbs and Shaw. Well, when you when no, you I first said that. that too, I thought I was thinking of the Goonies family. Oh, those are it's um, uh, with a T also, isn't it? No, um, hold on. The ter- uh, Fratellis. Fratellis. The Fratellis. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, what? they were they stole <laughs> chips? I don't remember that. Uh, if you haven't seen Hobbs and Shaw, the plot is terrible. The story is not amazing. Uh, the action I, is awesome. I don't care about custom cars, but the action was good, and it was very funny. I laughed out loud multiple times. Right. Uh, anytime they have to pick a like code name or a, an alternate name, yeah. they're picking each other's names. Oh, and that's it's all like, you know, Mr. Oxmall, uh, uh, Mike, uh-huh. Mike. Mike. Oh my goodness! <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I laughed out loud. Yeah, I will. I will watch this. <laughs> I expect that kind of behavior from Daniel. By the way, <laughs> if you haven't seen Al Kitty on YouTube, totally worth it. it I don't is, know that one. It is. Uh, I just came uh, became aware of this. It's like where this guy takes um, uh, movie trailers and puts a cat in there. And so, so he, uh, the one I watched was Jurassic Park. Oh, I, I saw that. Right, yeah, did you see yeah. this? It is hysterical. Well, I you, you told me about the the Jaws. Claw, one. Right, and then there was Claws. another one, Claws, and the little cat swimming through the ocean. I thought it would have been Paws. I just saw the Jurassic Park one. It was yeah. very well done. It was yeah. very well done. Yeah, I did. I have now that you said, I've seen the clip of the Jurassic Park part where he's at the. Uh, uh, the, the Ford Explorers. Yeah, when the cat starts like rubbing the car and yeah. the, the Explorer is like moving, it's funny. Classic, classic. All right, well, let's take a look at our next segment here, which is cats. Cats. What cats? Oh, meow. Do I have a meow here? I don't yeah. Think I do. No, I don't have a meow. I'll get that for next week. Uh, all right, who got pwned? Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah. All right, this one comes to us from cbc.ca, which is basically like PBS, right, over there? In Canadian Canada. Broadcasting Company? In Canada. It's, like, it's the government. <laughs> it's, it's like the state news. But anyway, uh, NL, which I think is Newfoundland. Yes. Netherlands. Newfoundland. Newfoundland Healthcare uh, <laughs> Cyber Attack <laughs> is the worst in Canadian history, says a cybersecurity expert. Uh, and I assume that it was also uh, said by people waiting in the doctor's office <laughs> for like 12 hours. This is the worst yeah. cybersecurity breach. The, what happened was they were just like, we have got to cover up these long lines. Tell them we've been hit by a cyber attack. <laughs> well, we've seen more and more of these where there are cyber attacks that they're saying, oh, well, well these people might have a lot of money. Let's go after them. But... Uh, Things like healthcare. I mean, this has real, real life it does. consequences. Yeah. Not be uh, not just money, but uh, but people's health and safety. So this this is a big one. So the the thing we we usually don't find out on these is whether or not they were targeted attacks. Like, mm. did somebody specifically target this healthcare organization, or was it just one of those random blanket malware that's sent out and it hit one machine? And that network did not have proper update management or patch management. And so it was able to spread through the whole network. Could be either way, mm-hmm. right? So if it was an untargeted attack, then it's just a random occurrence. And it shows like you had an IT department that wasn't, wasn't pulling their weight, yeah. right? But if it was a targeted attack, then it's exactly how you guys were describing it. People know hospitals have money, lots of money. But do they in Canada? Because uh, well, no money is changing hands. Uh, you know, for a little while, the... it's not like they're pulling it out of the register. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, they're not. You're not paying for the healthcare. I mean, the doctors no. are being paid by the government, and the 
But yeah, but so right, for a while the loon a... was stronger than the dollar, and so like the the Canadian economy is doing really well. Hmm. But I don't think this is a boot the economy. <laughs> what is it a boot? <laughs> sorry, that, sorry. That I it know. is really about ransomware being a super big problem. We've talked about that multiple times on the on the show. Ransomware is kind of a, a theme that comes up. Uh, the Biden administration here in the United States has actually been making some moves in the last couple of weeks to be more aggressive with it. So that's really exciting to see. Canada is also doing the same. I mean, Canada okay. is also doing the same thing. And uh, their prime minister, uh, I believe, is, is it Trudeau? Trudeau. Trudeau. Justin, Justin Trudeau. Uh, uh, <laughs> I always want to say Justin Bieber, but... You know, <laughs> that would be uh, awesome if Justin Bieber was their <laughs> I think prime it's his minister. Dad. But, uh, <laughs> I think it's his dad. Yeah. Uh, but he said that you know, they're not going to take this lying down, that they are going to be aggressive against ransomware actors. So it's nice to see... not. Not to see hospitals get with ransomware, no, but to see that the governments be a little bit yeah. more proactive and actually get involved in trying to stop this. And then he apologized for his tone. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that outburst. Yeah, it was uh, the so, nicest sorry. ransom note they'd ever received. This quote uh, sorry. here. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, but you're going to need to give us our money yeah. back. Uh, I didn't realize that they were called Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. The people from it's Labrador. Newfoundland would, and Labrador, right? I would yeah. thought they would just be Labradors. But I guess those are dogs. Well, that's, that's the dog. That's probably, so are Newfoundlanders. Yeah, yeah, There's a Newfoundland dog. Yes, that's yeah, right. Newfoundlanders and Labradorians should know that we so, are there for them as a country. It, I always find, just random aside, I always find it interesting how people get their, their how, what, what you're called if you're from elsewhere. So Melrose, if you're from Melrose. It's a small town around. Yeah, the, it's a small yeah. town in, in north central Florida. You're a Melroid. A Melroy. Yeah. All Who right. comes up? Like, is I, that, like I said, there have to be a government like, edict where they say this, I by the way, know. this is town of Melrose. You next, are now a Melroy. Oh, next item on, on the now? agenda, what are we called? Well, what are we again? Well, Melroy. Fun fact, in Labrador, the uh, maximum speed limit is 87, mi- uh, 87 kilometers. kilometers per hour. Because ah. if you go over 88 mile- kilometers per hour, yeah. a Labradorian will jump through time. <laughs> a Best joke of the day. Yes. Right there. That was for you guys. I appreciate it. <laughs> I was just telling uh, Peter, I was watching Mr. Robot, and all of a sudden I hear a song, and I'm like, that's from Back to the Future. And I hear another song, I'm like, that's from Back to the Future. Every song in that episode was from Back to the Future. What show was, was this? It was Mr. Robot. Oh. Yeah. I was like, huh. I wonder how many people do not get that. Like, it's like it's a, a generational thing. thing right? yeah. it's, it's a generational yeah. thing, yeah. Now, I, I don't think she has a microphone, so we can't ask Melissa if she's seen it. Yeah. I mean, she's like, what? Back <laughs> to the remember, what? Though, in Back to the Future, there were at least four generations. Well, no more when we go back to 1885. Yeah, so that's it's true. generational. There's like six generations that should know that music. That's true. All the way back to the 1880s. <laughs> 1880s. All right. Our last and, uh, and final segment for us today is the one that I always enjoy the most because it's people getting in trouble and held accountable for their actions, uh, and that is Behind Bars. Break the law and you'll go to jail. All right, I'm actually curious if someone did go to jail on this because uh, we're talking about charges. But sure. this one is from Reuters.com. U.S. charges Ukrainian and Russian in major ransomware spree seizes $6 million. And so uh, were these people actually apprehended or or just charged? Because in Russia, I feel like if you're charged by the American government, you're just like, oh, that's funny. Let's go have a shot. <laughs> one was apprehended. The other is not. Okay. Um, so what happened is you know, the, the Revil group that we've talked yeah. about. Yeah. 
the way they function is they created a ransomware package and then they have affiliates. So like Daniel could become a Revil affiliate. I'm like a reseller of Revil. <laughs> is, this, is this a pyramid scheme? Is Daniel yeah. have to get five people under you. him? It, it actually is a pyramid scheme. It's Monavi, but... So Daniel could then go out and infect machines with this, this ransomware. The ransomware phones back to Revil. Revil actually handles getting the payment, the ransom, and then they pay 50% of it out to the affiliate. So yeah. Daniel, you don't have to write your own ransomware. You just have to get it installed places and you get 50% of the ransom. I'll take it. Pretty good model until Interpol comes knocking oh. on your door, oh. right? Which worst. really hasn't happened up yeah. until now. So uh, what's going on here is that the, the Ukrainian gentleman was the affiliate. He was somebody who had, we'll say, licensed the <laughs> Revil ransomware kit uh, and was involved in the Colonial Pipeline and a couple of other oh, wow. really well-publicized ransomware attacks. Uh, so they identified him. He was detained in Poland, and so he's actually held uh, and... The United States has extradition with them, so that means he is going to be sent here to the United States for trial. So here's someone who's actually going to, you know, well, maybe get put behind bars <laughs> yeah. or maybe get two years of... Or he'll uh, become like a CIA asset. Yeah, I was going to say, does, yeah. He, yeah. does he roll up on the... I mean, do do the people know the person that they're Probably under? Probably not. But in this case, uh, because <clears throat> Revil was compromised, we talked about that right. two weeks ago, yeah. uh, they've identified who his contact was in their organization. That's the other gentleman whose name I cannot pronounce, but it is very Russian. Uh, <laughs> it is very Russian. And so he's he's in Russia, who we do not have an extradition agreement with. Uh, you know, you just have to talk to... Um, uh, what's his name? Ross Perot. No, who's the <laughs> former CIA contractor? Edward Snowden. Snowden. Oh, yeah, yeah he's he been can hiding get you out in Russia. Yeah. I thought he was an NSA contractor. Was it NSA? Yeah, I thought he was, he was NSA. NSA. Lost track. It's been so yeah. long. So Never uh, say anything. He right, the, can probably tell you how many days. <laughs> the Ukrainian days. is Yaroslav Vazinsky. Vazinsky. There's uh -huh. a Y in there. Um, where's the name of the Russian? I want to... I want to try this one. Uh, they have his name in here somewhere. That, or maybe, so, maybe it was in a different article. Oh, okay. They actually had his pictures and stuff because they've got a, a, a poster oh, yeah, out. A poster. Big, oh, yeah. I see it. Yevgeny Igorovich Polyanin. Now, I, I do watch enough hockey to know that first name is Yevgeny. Yevgeny. Okay. Oh, yeah, because he could yeah. be like, you know, he's the goalie yeah. for the, he's the Red Wings. Wings. <laughs> yeah. It's like, not that Yevgeny <laughs> Polyanin. I can't throw a rock without hitting me, Yevgeny. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good to so, see some of these uh, some of these people involved with this. Yeah, actually, at a minimum, they're identifying some people, and that you know kind of puts them on the run. That that's what happened to the leader of Revo when the website went down. Mm -hmm. He actually posted a final message to the group saying, "Hey, our servers are compromised. They're looking for me. I'm out of here. Good luck, guys." And and that was that. He he, he disappeared. Um, See, what they're supposed to do is continue to be greedy and go after the goat like they do in the movies. And that's what the rest of the gang did. More And so, yeah, now it, it's continuing uh. on. So uh, it, it is just nice to see some activity here. It's been years, right? Uh, Daniel, when's the first time you encountered ransomware or even heard about it? It was probably, I'm going to go with like 2000 and like eight or nine. I. So I don't know. It might even be the same scenario because for me it was around the same time. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the other edutainers, their dad had their machine get hit, Ooh. and I had heard about it at that point. But that was the first time I actually knew a, a real person that yeah. got it. And I think he had to pay 300 bucks or whatever to get his computer unlocked. <laughs> but we're talking about well over a decade of yeah. this being a real thing people have experienced, and only now are we really seeing action on it. Mine was at uh, Farm Bureau. 
one of the agents called and said, oh, I, actually I can't access my files. I'm like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, I can't, I can't get to them. So I logged into his computer and I'm like, well, all these little locks all over your files. <laughs> what have you done? And I said, it looks like they're encrypted. Did you encrypt them? And he said, I don't even know what that is. I go, well, it looks like you encrypted them <laughs> yeah. and you have to have the decryption key to unencrypt them so that you can read your files. He's like, I didn't do that. I'm like, it seems like you did. Oh, <laughs> right? wow. So that was, that was like truly your was, first exposure. It was like my first exposure yeah. to It's ransomware. not like someone else is getting... <gasps> right. Oh. And then he was like, well, I'm also getting this weird pop-up and he's like, just wait for it. I'll come up. And it's like... Uh, you know, it looked like some sort of notepad or something. It was weird. It, it, it was it was kind of a banner or whatever, and it popped up, and it was like, to get your files back, you must send. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, in trouble. This is uh, we gonna have to wipe was, this. Was out. he what a was what he a, mailed like the uh, or faxed a letter that had like the the <laughs> yeah. magazine letters cut out like an, an actual ransom? What an awkward spot for the end user though, because he has yeah. to tell you because you, you don't believe him, right? Right. I totally think he did like, this accidentally. How dare you accuse me of being smart enough to encrypt things? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll have you know I don't even know what that means. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Maybe I did it, but if I, I did, have I the IQ of a sweet potato. <laughs> <laughs> so nowadays, I feel like. That wouldn't just happen to him. Like, if it got in his computer, they would use that as a it stepping spread, stone. Yeah. So it did. It did. Oh, okay. Well, I say it spread. We started then, very soon after that, seeing it a lot. The and same. Like, the same. Not, not necessarily. Uh, there was like a specific brand, like, um, what was that one that was like, it was like a fake AV kind of thing, hmm. right? And then they would get you to install, oh, and then and you would then get popped. Done, yeah. yeah. So we were seeing that a lot. Hmm. Good times. Well, oh, it's man. Good, good to see someone caught, and uh, and hopefully they throw away the key, or uh, at least oh, they should just and, like uh, encrypt the the uh, release date for a sentence. And uh, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, if you can't yeah. decrypt this, you're yeah, in jail for life. What are you gonna do? <laughs> you're in jail for life. <laughs> yeah, here's, here's the code. Meet your Figure new cellmate. I'm sorry, but your freedom has been encrypted. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> we can't get access to it. Yeah. Unless you pay us a couple Bitcoin. A lot of Bitcoin. Yeah, that should do it. All right. Well, I want to let you know about a couple things going on here. First, we have a free weekend coming up that is AWS content. Got things like AWS Certified Cloud Practitioner, uh, Certified Developer Associate, Sysop uh, Administrator, Big Data Specialty, all those kinds of things that are available over at itpro.tv uh, for free. Uh, you just create an account there, no credit card required, and you can log in and, and binge all those courses all weekend on November 13th and 14th. So go ahead and check that out. Uh, also want to let you know about a fun thing that we're doing that we, we did last year, and it is happening again very, very soon. It is the 12 Days of IT, where we will be unboxing 12 different items and then and uh, we'll be giving those items away. So over a period of 12 days, starting on November 29th and ending on December 10th, when we have the YouTube Live, where you can watch and see if you won. So head over to itpro.tv slash 12 days, and you can register to win. Uh, we're not going to tell you yet what all the items are, but you'll be able to see them as they roll out. But we've got some really cool um, things that all the edge standards here kind of gave us suggestions. Here's the things that I would like to see under my tree or in my stocking or next to my dreidel. Um, I'm not sure if that's how that works. My Festivus pole. 
<laughs> buying my pole after the feats of strength. That's right. I would like to have these items. So yeah, uh, itpro.tv slash 12 days. Check that out and uh, and have some fun there. And then also want to let you know about a webinar coming up. It is Cloud Data Protection on AWS, Best Practices for Staying Secure. And that is with someone from AWS. So the inside scoop, uh, Tracy Pierce from AWS will be joining Adam Gordon for that on Thursday, November 18th, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Head to itpro.tv slash webinars to register for that one. And then finally, head over to the IT or to the Technado website at technado.com and uh, see all the latest episodes. Subscribe. I've just given up on Technado, though. Yeah, I've been really? beaten down enough I've been uh, down with that one. Now. But uh, you can also click the big orange button in the corner that's uh, sponsored by IT Pro TV, and you can get a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your personal subscription to IT Pro TV. And you can also request a team trial and see the great features for teams like the Pro Portal. Uh, it's all over there at technado.com, and uh, that's about it. So, yeah, we got to thank uh, Zach today, uh, Zach Rubenstein, and we also have to thank Ricky Doyle for joining us. Some uh, some great guests today, some exciting news and big things going on, and thank you, Don, for embracing us with your presence. <laughs> and, and, and Daniel, yeah. Yeah. You, that's all you had to say. Yeah. Thanks again, Daniel. All right, everybody, we'll see you next week right here on Technator with Don Pizzette.